Our next storyteller tonight is Dr. Aaron Kavosi. He is an illustrious scientist. He has done astrobiology, geochemistry, and a whole bunch of other things that litter a resume as long as my leg. But at the moment, he's a planetary scientist here at Curtin University. Well, not here at Curtin University, but Curtin University here in Perth. And he often says that he would like to find intelligent life somewhere out there in space. But to be honest, he would also be quite content if someone could find it down here first. Everyone, please welcome to the stage, Dr. Aaron Kavosi. Hey, folks. Uh, for those of you that have kind of had your fill already, this is the part of the evening that's boring. So if you need to set a little alarm for 10 minutes, that's okay. I mean, how do you follow up on the whole onion in the vagina trick? <laughs> the people in the back of the room, I, for full disclosure, they're friends of mine from Curtin, and I promise I will pay you the money I told you I would after the show. Uh, the science hero I want to talk about is a guy named Gene Shoemaker. He's an American geologist, born in Los Angeles in 1928, and he died in Alice Springs uh, in 1997. And so the question is, why is this character a hero of science? Before I touch on that, I want to pose a question. We'll start this off with a pop quiz. How awful is that? If someone were to ask you, to name the dominant life form on Earth that's at the top of the food chain, what would you say? What'd you say? Bacteria. Well, I think I can eat bacteria, so maybe not. Um, sorry? Viruses? Well, that's pretty good. We're still kind of bigger than they are. Some might think, and that's not how many they are, rather. Some might think it's us, actually. It's humans. Um, maybe more specifically, mammals. But it wasn't always the case. We've only enjoyed the privilege of ruining and trashing the planet relatively recently. Here's the second question. Does anybody out there, and this is a trick question, I'll tell you up front. Does anybody out there know what mammals were called before 65 million years ago? Trick question. What? Okay. They were called lunch. Mammals were basically glorified dinosaur snacks with legs. And so, uh, what happened? What event occurred to make it so we could do what we do. Anybody know about this event at 65 million years that allowed us to be here tonight? 65 million years ago, something happened. Anybody know what it was? Okay, thank you. A giant rock from space slammed into what is now Mexico and gave the dinosaurs a serious hangover environmentally, they 
could not recover from. They all died. A different way to say that is a rock from space caused a biological extinction that in terms of life cleared the decks to allow mammals to take over. Wow. This is true, or at least this is in textbooks. Teach about it in the university, so it must be true, right? The point is, nowadays it's widely accepted that rocks from space hit the Earth. And that sounds like something your child might say to you. But it wasn't always the case that this was accepted. Fifty years ago, even, this would have been a rather heretical thing to say in science. And this is where uh, Shoemaker made his, bad puns, his impact on science. All right. Uh, the field that's involved in studying rocks in space and the holes that they make and things that they hit is broadly called planetary science, and Shoemaker is widely attributed to creating this field. This character uh, got his PhD from, sorry, his, his undergraduate degree from a school you probably haven't heard of called Caltech in 1947, and then he moved on to uh, Princeton. It, it was the late 50s that he had an idea he looked at the moon and said, ah, geez, how do we explain what the surface of the moon looks like? Is it possible that it could have involved some impacts with rocks? That was a crazy thing to think about. And so it was in the late 50s that he did field work, not on the moon, but in Arizona in the U.S. at a place called Meteor Crater. And in 1960, he turned in his Ph.D. and confidently told the scientific community, by God, Meteor Crater was caused by the impact of a rock from space. Uh, much of the geologic community didn't like that idea. And as incredulous as it is, it's easy to believe it in context because this is before geologists were even awake enough to recognize that the continents moved around. These are early days. At this point, um, Shoemaker returned to Caltech, this time as the fancy chair, the brand new planetary science division. And <clears throat> the scientific community was starting to wake up to the concept that sometimes impacts from space happen. More and more people were beginning to accept this as a process. In the 70s, Shoemaker got involved with NASA programs quite heavily, the space exploration. Lots of robots and other things that uh, explored the cosmos. And in fact, he started some of the very first programs using giant uh, ground-based telescopes to uh, observe things in space. And uh, they, his team observed dozens and dozens of comets and other objects floating around in the sky. In fact, uh, one of the highlights, I think, of Shoemaker's career, as, as people talk about it, came in 1994. Uh, anybody remember when that giant comet slammed into Jupiter? If, if they had to 
If you had to show your ID when you came to the bar tonight, you probably don't remember this. Um, a comet that they had cataloged during their searches uh, in the solar system, inner solar system, wound up hitting Jupiter in 1994. But before it did, a remarkable thing happened. Uh, it broke up into about a dozen pieces and flew through the cosmos. The Hubble Space Telescope latched onto this and took outstanding images of this giant galactic string of pearls hurling through the cosmos, hell-bent on death and destruction out there. If you don't believe me, type it into Google while you're sitting there. It's more interesting than I am. Images are there. And in July of 94, uh, this string of pearls hit Jupiter. So as Jupiter rotated, bang, 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 the series of impacts happened. And here's the kicker. This is the part where you should wake up. Um, each of the impacts left these giant circular scars on Jupiter in a line as it rotated. And these black scars, were as, some of them were as large as the red spot on Jupiter. In other words, they were as big as Earth. Uh, this comet, now called Shoemaker-Levy 9, got a lot of people's attention in government very fast. What Shoemaker had demonstrated through all his work was that uh, impacts from space and planetary science is not just an interesting curiosity. It showed us that in our cosmic neighborhood, extinction-level events are still occurring. Everyone on Earth had a front row seat to a remarkable one on Jupiter. <clears throat> Back to this whole thing on Alice Springs. Uh, Shoemaker had a, a very profoundly close relationship with Australia. Him and his wife, Carolyn, who isn't the subject of this, but sh maybe she should be in her own right. She was a planetary scientist, too. They spent... Uh, 12 field seasons in Australia starting in 1984. And the reason is that in the 80s, the scientific community in Australia, there were a few people thinking about impact craters, but it was a relatively new science, and so there weren't very many. Uh, Shoemaker rationalized that Australia is a big, old, flat surface. Therefore, it should have just been a target and collected lots of impact craters over time. And so Carolyn and Jean would drive around by themselves out in the bush in the outback uh, long before cell phones, studying circular features and other, other things. They discovered uh, over a dozen impact structures and other interesting things and basically uh, galvanized what is now a very mature field in Australia of studying the impact record uh, locally. But like all good hero stories, uh, this one ends in a in tragedy. Uh, in 97, the shoemakers were driving outside Alice Springs, and uh, they came over a rise in the road, and there's a lot of discussion about this by the three people that care a lot about it, uh, and they had a head-on collision over the rise with a, another car, and <clears throat> Carolyn Shoemaker uh, was injured, but uh, she lived. Uh, Jean Shoemaker died that day in July in 97. But the, uh, the thing that we shouldn't do is, is shed a tear over uh, the event because um, like all great people that make contributions, 
shoemaker died doing precisely what he loved to do. And in the end, it was a uh, it was the scenario where he was caught between an impact with two moving objects that caused a collision, and that's how he met his maker. So um, before he left, he inspired thousands of planetary scientists to, uh, to carry on the chase, and so that's what we do today. Thanks, folks. I think that's an, another incredible story as well because it's also a reminder that in science we are we're very quick and easy to uh, make jokes at the expense of other disciplines who might not be aligned with our own. Um, but it's another great story about how much more discovery and how much more incredible things happen when you work together and you actually cross disciplines and move into other fields that you might not have originally thought uh, were interesting. So that's uh, fantastic. Um, and of course the uh, impacts of these extinction level events are really, really important. It is important that we actually spend money looking at them and, and seeing how we could potentially save ourselves because, I mean, let's face it, if one of these very large comets was to hit the Earth, we couldn't do much about it. You know, the upside is that if it did hit Perth, it would do millions of dollars of improvement. And I can say that because I'm from here. It's okay. 